I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. with Sky Atlantic, taking you through some of the best and most complex television in the world. Hello, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Previously on Watchmen. First of all, huge apologies that this episode is so late. I've been uh, I've been struck down uh, with the with the lurgy, uh, possibly by some flying dropped squid. Uh, and it knocked me for six for a few days, but I'm back. I'm better. It's all fine. Everybody can relax. Uh, but apologies for for the slight delay in getting this episode to you. And what an episode it was too. Hey, I mean, what a reveal! What a reveal! It really felt like uh, really felt like things are starting to gather afoot. And it was nice to see Lindelof again, focusing on on one particular character and one who I'm sure is many of your favourite, uh, Wade, a.k.a. Uh, Looking Glass. Now, in this episode, uh, in a second, we will have our regular recap where I take you through uh, scene by scene what actually happened in Watchmen. Then we're going to head over and speak to a good friend of mine, film critic, uh, entertainment journalist, Hannah Flint. She is brilliant and uh, she always comes armed with theories, with counter arguments and decent opinion for you to, for you to ruminate over. Now, as the episode that we just watched, as episode five, had a uh, quite a big kind of plot reveal, it felt like a bit of a turning point in the series. I thought it was wise to go back and, and visit exactly what it meant, you know, that squid. What does it mean? Why was it not in the film? You know, all of that kind of stuff. I think it's, it's quite pertinent to uh, work out where Lindelof sees the whole narrative of, of Watchmen going. So I call upon our old friend, comic book fan and aficionado Andrew Harrison and we'll catch up with him later but you know what I've kept you waiting long enough should we recap I think we should here we go Watchmen season one episode five little fear of lightning we begin in Hoboken all the way back in good old 1985 a group of young men all decked out in matching outfits a smart shirt tie jacket combo depart a bus at a fairground and are met by an older man who greets them as brothers and invites them to pray. As our men's are called, we see they're carrying editions of Watchtower bearing the message, Are you prepared? One young man who's been a particular focus is approached by the older fella. He's told, One minute to midnight, tick-tock Wade. We can presume, as we only know one Wade, that this is the younger version of Wade Tillman, a.k.a. Looking Glass. 
Wade walked uneasily through the fair, casting nervous eyes over the other young folk there, engaged in more traditional teenage pastimes, snogging and smoking, basically. In a move of either incredible bravery or utter stupidity, he approaches what appears to be the hardest-looking group of youths present with the introduction, Hello, neighbours. Are you ready to hear the truth? All bets on brave or stupid are off. Receiving a frosty reception from the group, Wade presses on with news that the doomsday clock is at one minute to midnight and the nuclear weapons of USA and the Russians are pointed at each other and primed to go. Just as it looks like some more localised warheads are about to detonate directly onto young Wade's cranium, a girl with the group steps in and whisks him away to safety. Inside a funhouse, he tells the girl he's from Tulsa. She makes a move and begins to undress him, suggesting that if the world is about to end... It might be the last chance he has to lose his virginity. He protests, but, you know, allows her to carry on. Then, as he's standing naked, she runs away with his clothes, leaving him in the funhouse in just his black socks, which, if anything, is worse than being completely nude. In a room filled with mirrors, he begins to berate himself angrily as a dummy and sinner. His train of thought, however, is derailed by the sounds of explosions outside. He holds his ears as his face contorts in pain, all the mirrors shatter as Wade falls to his knees. A blooded Wade rises from the floor, everything is quiet save for a ringing in his head. Dizzy and delirious, he staggers naked from the funhouse and walks out into a scene of complete devastation. He retrieves his clothing from the girl who took them, now lying dead on the floor with a sea of similarly lifeless bodies. What happened, he screams in anguish as we pan away from the scene and witness the wider extent of the event that's left a city in flames, including the humongous squid beast that now sits perched upon a destroyed building and brilliantly seems to watch the camera as we gently drift up away from the scene. Cut to the present, and the older Wade Looking Glass Tillman is watching a group of people watching a promotional video with the message that New York is now a safe place to visit. Following the video, a small group of suited folks slap each other on the back over the great feedback they've received. However, an unimpressed Wade declares that the people watching the video actually despised it. He states the feedback is based on people being unwilling to admit they're scared and they hired him to tell them the truth. Wade continues that all the promotional piece did was remind the viewers that three million people died a horrific inexplicable death in their city. Having moved on, Wade dons his looking-glass mask and heads to a meeting headed by Laurie regarding the 7th Cavalry. She highlights a picture of the group inside a church and requests the gathered masked vigilantes hit every church in the vicinity until they find the one pictured. Afterwards, Angela asks Wade about her grandfather's pills, but is told Wade hasn't heard yet. Laurie calls him to her office. They talk about the fact he was there when the giant squid hit New York. He tells her he sleeps fine, thanks, despite rumours about the people within the psychic blast zone on that fateful day. She notes that he covers his head in reflective material, protecting him from psychic blasts, hence his good sleep. As he gets up to leave, she asks him what pills he's taken from Angela for testing. He offers no answer, and Mirigai is allowed to leave. How did she know? Back home, Wade pulls his mask from a safe and removes his cap. We see his cap's lined with the same reflective stuff he covers his face in as looking glass. Literally a tinfoil hat. He pops the mask on and prepares dinner. He watches gay superhero porn while throwing down beans from a tin. Or been there. When an alarm breaks the quiet. He races outside into a bunker and hits a button. The noise stops briefly, but then fires up again. Wade heads back into his home and rips the alarm from the wall before kicking the noise out of it in a furious temper. He makes a call to get the alarm replaced, demanding it's done fast. He then lies in his bed, wistfully looking at two empty bunks and pulls the mask over his face. 
The next day he's buzzed while at work and nips off to a futuristic pet store where they produce synthetic furry friends. He asks to see Cynthia Tillman, quickly correcting himself and asking for Cynthia Bennett. He asks Cynthia about the pills and she tells him they're nostalgia, an outlawed drug that puts memories into pill form but can lead to psychosis. Later that night, Wade attends a support group meeting for those affected by the squid event of 1985. He offers support to a man concerned he'll end up as a lunatic, wrapping his head in tin foil. Everyone stands to recite words together about not living in fear despite knowing there are other dimensions out there. Before leaving, he chats to a woman who attended for the first time that night. She says she doesn't believe him that he can guide them from the darkness to the light, suggesting he's still in the dark himself. She asks him to follow her. He gets in the car. We catch them at a bar bonding over a few drinks. She tells him she's a waitress, but he states she's lying. He's looking glass. You can't lie to looking glass. Eventually she reveals she's a radiologist and he confirms she's telling the truth. She then talks about a movie called Pale Horse that won a load of Oscars and about one scene involving a little girl stumbling through the bodies after the squid hit calling for a mum that really stuck with her. She admits she's scared all the time and that she can't understand why everyone else isn't terrified. She leaves and Wade follows. Outside they kiss and he admits he too is not out of the dark. A pickup arrives to pick her up, and as the vehicle leaves, something falls from the back of it. Wade retrieves a lettuce, and in panic gets on his radio to ask if the truck involved in the killing of Officer Sutton in episode one was ever recovered. He gets a negative answer and takes off in pursuit. He watches from a distance as the woman and a man, both now in the Rorschach masks of the 7th Cavalry, emerge from the truck and enter a building. Wade calls for backup and searches the pickup, finding a gun. He enters after them. Taking tentative steps, he finds himself in the church room from the earlier video and is startled by a flash of light and the sudden appearance of a basketball, as though we've dropped in from nothing. A man announces he heard it come out over here and walks in to retrieve the ball as Wade ducks for cover behind a pew. Wade follows the man and finds himself in a room where an odd experiment is underway. Rorschach masked members of the 7th Cavalry are now throwing basketballs into a doorway that stands at the centre of the room. The door seems to be fired with electrical energy and as the ball hits the opening it sparks and vanishes, a little like the gateway in Stargate, if that's a reference still relevant in 2019. Wade steps into the room and cocks his gun, demanding nobody move. The woman from earlier calmly announces he's here. He demands to know if they're opening portals. She says she went to a lot of trouble to bring him to them, including the rigged falling lettuce. Now that's detailed planning. Then ask him to lower the gun. Instead, Wade turns and fires at a man who is approaching from behind. To Wade's shock, the man's untouched by the bullets. He's informed the gun he picked up is carrying blanks and that it was them on his walkie-talkie, not the police. She also tells him they have to show him the truth and he's restrained and led away. A man asks him about the reflective stuff he uses, informing he knows he's looking glass. Wade announces he knows the man doing the asking is Senator Kane and questions if they're going to kill him. Taking his mask off, Kane informs Wade that he's actually going to show him something that will mean he's never afraid again. In return, Kane requests that Wade help frame Angela for the murder of Judd Crawford. Kane offers Wade the choice of telling the authorities that the cops run the 7th Cavalry and be deemed insane, or he can press play and not be afraid anymore. He hits play, and is met by the image of Adrian Veidt back in 1985, addressing a man who is to be president. He reveals that it was him who architected the blast and the squid that killed and traumatised so many and that the beast was a hoax in order to save the world from nuclear holocaust. Adrian says in return the president must help him build his utopian view of the world. 
Naturally, Wade's left somewhat shocked. Cut to present-day Adrian up to his usual unusualness. He's decked out in the strange suit with a thicker skin, somewhere between night and deep-sea diver. Launched tethered from a catapult, he sails through the sky, flying from what appears to be a corner of the Earth, albeit a pretty strange one, to gently sink to the surface of what we think is Mars. The ground is littered with catapulted clones who didn't make it. He painstakingly arranges the bodies to form the message, Save me, D, and celebrates as he spots a passing satellite, just as he's pulled jarringly back on the tether. As he lands in a heap, a masked man approaches and draws a sword. He places Adrian under arrest, kicking him in the face when he protests and declaring it to be a no-mercy situation. We're back with Wade, and he's understandably troubled. A call comes in from Angela asking about the pills. He asks her if anything is true, before revealing the tablets a nostalgia. He tells her he wants to help. Angela reveals they're her grandfather's pills, and that he said he killed Crawford, but is so old that couldn't be possible, so she covered it up. Wade apologises as Laurie bursts in and arrests her, but before she's cuffed, Angela swallows all of the pills. Later that night, Wade returns home to find his new alarm system boxed and waiting. He puts it in the bin, and quickly returns to retrieve it. As he enters his home, a van screeches up outside and spits out a group of heavily armed members of the 7th Cavalry. You're listening to, previously on, Watchmen in association with Sky Atlantic. You can watch Watchmen exclusively on Sky Atlantic every single Monday at 9pm. Don't panic if you've missed it because each episode goes straight up on demand as soon as it's aired. For more information, hop over to sky.com. I am delighted to welcome to this week's episode of Previously On, friend, film critic, TV critic, all-round good egg and uh, proper comic book nerd as well, um, is Hannah Flint. How are you doing? I'm good. Oh, look at us. Look at us. Who would have thought? Back Old again. school, exactly. We used to present the Talk Film podcast together before it was callously cancelled by, uh. uh, by, the, by, the, by the suits. Yeah. Uh, mm. But, you know, they'll learn. They'll learn. But we're here. We're here now. And, uh, and my God, what a great episode you've picked to come on and talk about. It was, it was, it was complicated. It was emotional. It, it kind of drove the plot forward a lot. What did, what did you make of it? Um, everything you just said and more. I think, you know, a lot of Watchmen has been quite confusing. Reminds me a bit of the OA. You know what I mean? Like, you're watching, yeah. like, I can't stop watching this. But I'm so intrigued. And obviously this is, you know, as we know, it's not kind of a remake of the original Zack Snyder's Watchmen. It's like a sequel. But this is the first time that we've actually really had um, the film and the series kind of come together in a way. But also basically say, are we allowed to swear on this podcast? Basically like. You can swear if you like. Oh, go on, then you can bleep me out. Uh, Basically saying, yeah, fuck the Snyder version of this story. Yes. You know. Yeah, because, you know, in the obviously in the original film, you probably already discussed this and all that, but, like, the fact that they he made it that Dr. Manhattan was the kind of, like, uh, the hoax. He was the kind of guy they're saying, oh, he's yeah. going to... Yeah, Dr. Manhattan oh. took the took the, uh, took the the brunt of... took the blame for, for the disaster so that, yeah. so that their humanity could move on. Yeah, and obviously in this one, it kind of stuck more to the actual um, comic book, and it was like this psychic squid, and we've yeah. had that since the beginning. Um, but I thought it was really interesting to have the actual origin story uh, for Tim Blake Nelson's character, Wade Tillman, Looking Glass. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Um, and I love Tim Blake Nelson. I think he's one of the greatest character actors um, of his generation, of any generation, to be honest. What else has he been in? Tell the listeners what else he's been in. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not au fait with his, his oeuvre. 
So he was in um, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Do you remember that? He's done a lot oh, of poems. Oh, of course Poem he was. Brothers. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. And he was in, what was it? The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. He is the white, white. Oh, of course cowboy. he was. Yeah, it's the moustache yeah. that does it. It's the handlebar yeah. that does it. Gotcha. Yeah, and he's, he's great. Um, and I thought it was really interesting because I, I think also in the episode, it confirmed a lot of things like things that we were kind of theorizing or guessing, like where was, um, where was Vite? Uh, where, where's Vite been? Um, you know, ever since I met that senator, I was like, mm, he's smiling. He's a wrong too much. Yeah, he's, he's too... smiling too much. Yeah, yeah. And in the last episode where you had that kind of like attempt, I was like, oh, this is a setup. This is just to kind of keep him looking like he's clean as clean as a bee. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I thought it was really interesting. Um, and it's going to be. Uh, and once um, Angela, our Regina King swallowed all those bloody pills I oh know. my god is she gonna go for a ride of her life so let's 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 rewind a bit so i tell you what lindelof can't he, he loves a bit of a thanos snap doesn't he you know we've had kind of yeah. uh the leftovers you know even lost to to some extent dealt with dealt with uh kind of a similar theme and yet at the beginning of this we saw it again the 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 wade the wade origin story kicked off in that uh that fun fair and we saw a kind of well, exactly, almost, almost exactly what it could have been a prequel to the leftovers, um, where we saw all those people dying as a result of the the, the psychic squid. Um, I thought it was it was a brilliant way of getting into the the mind of Looking Glass. The fact that you know this horrible event happened to him while he was looking in mirrors, therefore mm. is is the is the mask that he wears some kind of uh, psychological kind of deflection so that he thinks it'll help him in future. I just, I really enjoyed that whole beginning. Yeah, and I, I there's something kind of more of a horror element to it, wasn't it? You know, um, kind of all the sm things smashing around and you understand where this kind of psycho psychosis has come from. But also kind of the idea about PTSD, I thought that was really interesting. The fact that, you know, this idea that something can actually disastrous happen and actually, you know, the idea that, you don't get over it. Like people don't want to go back to New York. Like this is actually a scary thing. And that yeah. kind of whole, that whole kind of, um, you know, actually you were talking about the snap, you know, five years later, you know, and it, when yeah, yeah. Chris, Chris, when Cap is leading that meeting, that was kind of quite similar. Not saying that they copied that. It's quite an obvious trope to use, but I thought it was interesting that kind of like, and, and also the kind of, um, there's two moments where I thought it's quite in, in sync. Cause we obviously, we found out that, the the pills were nostalgia so this is the actual and it's made by the true it was developed by uh vite but it's also made by the true uh pharmaceutical company which is obviously um which Hong Chow. Yeah, 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 Lady right. true. Yeah, yeah yeah so that's made by them so obviously you see the connection there but actually the idea that she's gonna be a you know this is his um her, her grandfather's memories so the idea you have that, so she's about to kind of inherit like that and take on that trauma. She's going to have one that, hell of a trip, yeah. Yeah, but then there was that bit in the actual, the kind of discussion room where the guy was saying, like, I wasn't even born then, but I believe that you can, through, like, the tissue, that you can inherit your parents' trauma through, like, DNA. And I think that's really interesting in this series about how, like, how DNA and how family and how kind of like ancestors are connected because again you've got and cloning yeah yeah and you've got laurie blake as well in that obviously she's you know the daughter of the comedian and uh the original silk um specter so the, re the, uh, the result of the uh, and the result of trauma 
Exactly. So I yeah. think it's really interesting in this series how it's constantly kind of coming back to it. And actually, that's the fundamental kind of seems to be the fundamental narrative thread that keeps on coming back to. And I'm really enjoying that um, about it. And I think it's a really kind of like nuanced way of handling it, especially as in a superhero genre, um, which is, you know, I'm really it's really refreshing to do it in a more not so obvious way. Do you know what I mean? It yeah, feels yeah, like, yeah. oh, yeah. this is like you're coming to it in a natural, in a real way. Well, there's not a really, there's not a real, we haven't really seen any form of like linear, I guess, um, there's no linear storyline where we know that there's a quest or we know that there's some villain to defeat or we know that there's no real, there's not that there's any point to the series, but there's, there's no, we, we don't know what the end game is yet, do we? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I think, but I think it's also what's interesting because it's like, like he, in that, in that video that, um, Bites gives to, that he did in 85 and he, it's for, um, president robert redford right let's pause there and let's just let's just explain that to to the listeners who because it is it's a hell of a complicated um kind of episode to get your head around so am i right am i right in thinking so the video that, that wade saw was recorded the day before the squid attack the day the yeah. day before the squid attacked um yeah. and he was congratulating congratulating robert redford on his inauguration as president that wouldn't happen until seven years later. Yeah, exactly. And also, obviously, we know with Audi, um, Ozymandias, um, he's like, it's the idea of him is that he's got, he's so intelligent. He accesses like 100% of his brain. That's how he's able to kind of like, yeah. you know, do all these kind of like ridiculous plans. And even we're seeing it in episodes like him able to kind of, you know, the cloning and all that type of jazz, all that jazz. But I think it was really interesting just how contrived it was. Like we knew that, the whole point was to try and get peace but i think what we realize is how much has been done in this in a year since that was actually also orchestrated because it's like you said it's it, it's like they said earlier where wade's like you know people aren't just gonna like suddenly be click their fingers and gonna go back to new york there's actually a lot of work that was uh, made to actually maintain this level of peace yeah um so i thought so obviously you know it, what we see here is that he's been paying towards robert redford's campaign like he's been using his power and influence um to try and get him elected it's interesting i mean how far did this plan go i'm thinking it's like what what happens after redford is this all still part of his plan yeah and then it comes to the point of like it's that kind of free will he's playing god here that's why i think it's interesting and the fact that he's now discovered that he's not actually on earth well he kind of knew this a while but he's actually like you know in space orbiting somewhere near jupiter yeah. it's, it's 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 interesting to see like how he considers himself a god and how he's got his own plan um i think that kind of god complex is really coming to play nicely here and we see how actually you know this is all about freedom like again it's like your plan, your your uh, your kind of background, your ancestors, but also like, what is, is there any sense of like destiny or you know? It's really interesting with um with that, especially that video, and I think it's going to open up a lot more to what we can see happening yeah. next. So what it what it did was it you know it revealed it revealed the secret uh, that that Adrian Veidt was responsible for for the giant squid, um, yeah. and what it also did, which is which I think is really interesting, and obviously it completely screwed with Wade's head. Um, was that it has blurred the lines with the Seventh Seventh Cavalry a little bit in terms of what's yeah. going on there. So we saw that that um, that that church that 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 was that was in the in the videos and in in the propaganda kind of videos was actually just in a sound stage. 
Yeah. We saw the kind of the, the teleportation with the basketball. What what do you think they're trying to do with that? I think they're trying to get enough evidence. Now it's like the senator says, like at the moment these guys are murdering people. Yeah. So they need to get they need to get some validation. They need to be kind of you know they need to be calmed down. And actually, as thingy said, the senator says, like you know this is bullshit. Everything's bullshit. Yeah. So uh, how are we supposed to make it? How are we supposed to make it? people believe that this is the truth now if you're going to be some right wing seventh cavalry people who are going to murder stuff you're just going to sound like a conspiracy theorist yeah and obviously as we know that rorschach he delivered his like diary and manifesto to this alt-right um i think it's called the frontiersman or something the new frontiersman uh, at, uh, sent it i mean that happens at the end of the movie and obviously the comic book so it's kind of like it's been picked up at the moment it's just been seen as this kind of conspiracy theorist is not really happening but how do you actually make sure people know it's true and like you said um like you said to wade as well it's like you wear silver in your caps like who's going to believe me me the senator or you so there's this whole element of like literally he's literally, literally wearing so- a tinfoil hat yeah, but it's also everything is so batshit crazy that who do you actually will people believe? And also there's an element of people just don't want to believe. People just want to, you know, will believe anything just to have an easy way of life. So it's kind of like that's the whole thing. It's like a lot of people, even if they find out the truth, they just carry on. Like she says it in that episode. It's like there is literally squids falling down from the sky. Why isn't everyone <laughs> so scared? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we're so we're so we're so willing to kind of push things aside and think, yeah, it's all okay now. Do we know how the, the those baby squid where they all came from yet? We don't, do we? I don't think so, but clear, but there must be they. It, it must be that's got to be Doctor Manhattan. Yeah, but again, where the hell is Doctor Manhattan? Right, so, I mean, we right. Kind of... Well, here we go. So yeah. the, the last the last thing we saw in the episode was Vite. Um, he managed to kind of break free. He was catapulted into. Um, into space out of the dome yeah out of the dome and we know that he was somewhere near jupiter uh we saw him uh do that amazing um well he created a created an sos message save me using the, all of the dead bodies so we i mean this is this is the genius this is how intelligent vi was for the past few episodes we thought he was just testing uh the the, the kind of trebuchet with all of those dead clones when actually all he was doing was just getting himself some material so that he could spell out save me. Um, yeah. <laughs> now I'm looking at a, a, a diagram of where planets are in the solar system. If he's near Jupiter, then that means he's really close to Mars. And that is where Dr. Manhattan is supposed to be. Is he on Mars? Do we think? Well, didn't, isn't, do we even know that? Because I thought, I mean, again, I'm not saying it has to copy them. Obviously it's retconned some of the things from the movie, but at the end of that film, he just like left and went to a different galaxy. Well, so maybe, yeah. I don't know. Well, we saw at the beginning, I think in episode one, we saw... But obviously, little... actually, as Dr. Manhattan's not actually the bl- to blame for like, he's not been used as the fake hoax, as the blame, he could still, he could be on Mars. But when are we going to actually see him? And also, who was the kind of like highwayman, the, the guy in the mask? Because I was like looking at him, I was like, is he... Is he the same guy who's playing the game? The, the, the gamekeeper fella, yeah. Gamekeeper, yeah. Who is that? Like I was looking at him, he looked a little bit like um, his servants, the male servant. But a, but with a tash. Interesting. I've got a theory that although all those clones, the male clones, are Doctor Manhattan. I think they're they they are what he looks like. I think they're just uh, replications of Doctor Manhattan's form. That's what that's my that's in my mind anyway. Um, I only I only disagree with that because of the video. Um, in 1985, and oh. obviously they had Jeremy, and in because that was what 
years ago he looked basically the same and he had blonde hair so oh, okay. do you know what I mean because technically Ignore. in 1985 he would look he's the same age as Matthew Good in the Watchmen film yes so I assume yeah. so maybe oh I don't know maybe it could be we, we just don't know. It, it, honestly, it could be that batshit crazy and go that way. Um, but I think actually it was it was it was a nice actually break. And I think uh, what was like like you said, I think the really good episode in pushing the plot forward. I think I think sometimes I I like the fact it's a quite self-contained series, and I feel like I don't want it to go on for ages. Like what's going on? What's going on? But to be honest, next episode could be a whole load of bullshit. <laughs> we're just like, where are we now? <laughs> um, but I'm sure we're going to find out what's going on with Angela's. We're going to see her go mad. The ne- next episode, she's clearly going to go down one hell of a rabbit hole. It's going to be 5 a.m. on a Sunday morning at Glastonbury for Angela A. Bar <laughs> uh, next, next week. Uh, and I can't wait. Listen, Hannah, can we get you back on a bit later on in the series to, to, to let us know what you're feeling? Uh, 100%. Try and stop me. Amazing. Hannah Flint, thank you very much. And I will speak to you very, very soon. Right, okay, there was a massive bit. There was a kind of like a plot spoiler, a massive kind of like twist, a, a big reveal in uh, in the episode. It involved a squid. Some of you will undoubtedly be going, what the hell was that? Well, there's only one person who can explain that properly. And I'm going to head back to uh, to our explainer from episode one of previously on this series, Mr. Andrew Harrison. How are you, sir? I'm all right, Jamie. Welcome, welcome to the nerd desk. <laughs> welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> now, um, in the episode we've just watched, uh, Looking Glass, a.k.a. Wade, was shocked to the very core uh, when it was revealed to him that the uh, squid that he uh, that he witnessed as a child was Adrian Veidt's responsibility. Can you take us through the history of that moment, please? Well, firstly, Jamie, I want to thank you for that spoiler because I haven't seen it yet, but never mind. That's okay. <laughs> we'll get over it. And I could kind of see it coming, so that's all right. I don't hate you. Apologies. Um, yeah. So the squid is very, very interesting. The squid is the weirdest thing about the comic uh, of Watchmen, the original 12-issue comic series. And interesting, the fact that it's in the HBO series locates the HBO series as very much an expansion of the comic, not the movie. So you've only seen the movie and you're going, squid, squid, what squid? What is the squid? You will see, at the ending of the movie, uh, a giant device is teleported into the middle of Manhattan, destroying everybody, killing, um, uh, c- killing millions and shocking the world into... Uh, into cooperation. If you look closely, you'll see that the giant device has, has got the acronym SQUID, which is a little in-joke there. But what happens in the comic is Adrian Veidt, Ozymandias, kidnaps a load of uh, a strange collection of creative people, or rather he hires them under false pretenses. Artists, uh, scientists, um, uh, psychologists, science fiction writers, yeah. and they create a giant fake alien. Fake, fake news. It is fake news. They wow. create a, gi- a gigantic fake alien squid, which is then teleported by Adrian Vice into the middle of New York, killing millions, not just by its sort of physical destructive power, but by the psychic shockwave of horror and alien terror that it spits out. And this is the event that shocks the world into cooperation and drags it back from the five minutes to midnight nuclear confrontation scenario that is at the core of all the Watchmen imagery, um, the connection with time, with clocks, with clock faces, which Lindelof has been brilliant about bringing into into the HBO series. So that's essentially it. However... A lot of people, myself included, when I was reading this as a kid, thought that was a really weird turn for the comic to take. Yeah, yeah. Because you've been reading six issues of Murder Mystery trying to find out who killed the comedian and is, you know, inter- interrogating who Rorschach is and why does Dr. Manhattan have the powers that he has. And then halfway through, 
a bunch of people you never heard of appear on a desert island, and then we finish with a squid, which uh, you know basically enacts a kind of cosmic alien 9/11 in New York, which completely changes the direction of uh, the United States and Soviets' um, kind of foreign policy. Yeah, they begin to cooperate in the comic. You see little tiny drawings of Gorbachev. Uh, there's the kind of hint that the glasnost that happened in our world, which never happened in the Watchmen world, because Doctor Manhattan was there giving America total military superiority is finally coming to pass and i think the title of the final chapter the final edition of the 12 issue comic series is called a stronger loving world the idea that you can through an atrocity you can create cooperation and fear of an external fantasy enemy the aliens this just squid thing yeah um now it was it was flipping weird it was very very strange it was it was and, and, and over the years i've come to I've come to like it and appreciate it, but I did interview Len Wein, the great comics guy, who was the editor of the original Watchmen series, and he kind of said, yeah, I actually think the ending of the movie is better. It makes more sense that Dr. Manhattan should be the agent of destruction because he is the guy who's deformed human society by his very presence, by his yeah. omnipotence. It actually makes more narrative sense that it should be that than a gigantic squid landing in the middle of New York. So, However, there's your squid. So, so Thanks, mate. And so on that... <laughs> <laughs> so, thanks so, for the squid. So, thanks for the squid news. Uh, so, so on that... You know, it's it's easy to understand in the movie version why Doctor Manhattan exiled himself um, to to Mars because you know he he was shouldering the brunt of of all of that. Why in this instance has he disappeared? Let's just recap. Well, that. If, we're, if we're truly recapping the comic, what happens initially? Doctor Manhattan ex- uh, exiles himself to Mars because he is told by a reporter that essentially his presence has given cancer to all of his close friends and his past lovers. That effectively, pretty much everybody he's known has died of cancer because of their proximity to Doctor Manhattan's right. strange quantum radioactive nature. So we kind of know that that's not the case here, don't we? Well, I th- I don't know actually. I don't know because uh, what happens is in the comic he comes back because he takes um, he, t- he takes uh, Janie uh, Lauren Jispersik uh, now Laurie Blake. Uh, he takes her to Mars and their discussion on Mars about whether human life has any meaning at all. Because to Doctor Manhattan we're just a pile of atoms. Yeah. And Laurie Jispersik now Blake explaining the story of how you know how she came to how she came to be and beginning to understand that the comedian is her father, the comedian had, had raped her mother, and yet her mother had developed a, a relationship with the comedian and, and was kind of proud of his daughter. Sh- showing the, the the immense inexplicable complexity of human life. This convinces Dr. Manhattan that human life is a miracle, has worth. He comes back to Earth ostensibly to save the planet. Now, he can't save the planet as such because Ozymandias has kind of enacted his squid squid plot. The squid has, uh, has, been, has already been sent to, to New York, and Dr. Manhattan decides that he can tolerate this and he will leave the planet voluntarily. He's actually, I think, he, I think his final line is something along the line of, uh, along the lines of, um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I've become quite fascinated by life. Perhaps I'll create some. And yes. he leaves Earth to go out into the universe. I'd always imagine he'd go off, you know, into the infinite depths of space. I, I didn't think he'd continue hanging around on Mars, but clearly Lindelof thinks he's going to keep hanging around on Mars. But that's the kind of thing. It's it, what is really interesting about. Um, about the comic is that as well as being full of mystery and action and uh, violence and bizarre characters, it is fundamentally a philosophical discussion of what makes the world work, what makes people work, and is there value to human life as seen through the eyes of Dr. Manhattan. There we go. I mean, look, I wanted to come to the nerd desk. I was trans- I was teleported directly into the veins of the nerd desk. Have, have Th- we met your expectations? You've, have you, we you, satisfied and exceeded your expectations on the nerd desk? You have. Thank you very much, Andrew Harrison. I would imagine this may not be the last time we speak. 
Thank Let's you, buddy. Not. Cheers. Cheers Thank you, mate. <laughs> there you go. So I think we've we've had a recap. We've spoke to Hannah. We've kind of gone back and revisited quite a pivotal plot point there. You know what time it is now. Shall we have a look and see what's coming up in episode six? It's trailer time. Angela, you're not supposed to take someone else's nostalgia. That's very bad. Is it starting? Angela, you may be confused as to who you are right now. You are an angry man, William Reeves. I'm not angry. Hey, boy. I'm your husband, Calvin. We have three children. You don't know what's really happening here. You need to come home. You need to wake up. Well, as predicted, we are now heading back to Angela Abar. She is seemingly in a prison cell after she was arrested by Laurie at the end of episode five. And the effects of the, the huge dose of nostalgia that she took has started to kick in. And I think it looks like she's going to be kind of following the life of her grandfather. So we'll get more of an understanding about what he means to the whole plot. And don't forget when he was talking to Lady True that he said Angela will hate him for what she discovers. So it'd be quite interesting to see what happens. We also saw a few flashes of Chief Judd Crawford uh, saying something to uh, to Angela. We heard the voice of her husband trying to break, break through the kind of uh, hallucinogenic coma that she's in. But in true Watchmen style, we don't really know what the hell is going on. I'll tell you one thing we do know, though. It's going to be bloody good. Shall I see you the same time next week? Will you join me? Are you ready? Shall we strap ourselves in? I'm Jamie East. TikTok. TikTok. Thanks very much for listening. Hope it's been helpful. Don't forget, Watchmen is available exclusively on Skylantic each Monday at 9pm. If you've missed any of the episodes so far, do not panic. Don't panic. They've got it covered. Each episode of Watchmen goes straight up on demand as soon as it finishes airing on the Monday night. So they're all there, all ready for you to get stuck into. For more information about Watchmen or indeed any of the other awesome shows that Skylantic have got going on right now, just head over to sky.com. If you've enjoyed previously on, do us a favour, give us a cheeky little five-star review, tell all your friends, particularly if there's someone maybe in your household that needs to get up to speed with Watchmen so that you can enjoy it together, maybe this podcast would be quite useful for them. If you're new to previously on, you might want to go back and check out some of our previous episodes. Uh, We've covered recaps of a hell of a lot of series already. There's every single episode of Game of Thrones. We've done Peaky Blinders, Stranger Things, we've done Big Little Lies, and there's loads more of them to come. If you've got any suggestions, just get in touch we're over on twitter at previous podcast we will see you next time until then you've been listening to previously on in association with skylat imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.